Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, source of all that we have and all that we are, open our hearts and minds to your word this morning so that we may be guided to the narrow gate that leads to life. Amen. Responsible stewardship. Financial stability is a driving force for most of us. We typically want to make enough money to be able to pay for the basic necessities for ourselves and our families, while having enough left over to support some fun hobby or form of entertainment. Of course, there are different opinions on what is a basic necessity and what is a reasonable expenditure on entertainment. Things thought of as luxury in the past, for example, like cell phones, are considered a necessity today by many of us. And there is a wide range of things that we can spend our money on for entertainment. In American society, we usually give each other great latitude in accepting these personal decisions. And after all, if a person earned a large amount of money through their own hard work or their unique gifts, we generally believe they deserve the freedom to use that money however they desire. This approach has served our country well in many ways by encouraging innovation and motivating people to participate in the economy with the hope that their hard work will result in the opportunity to live a more comfortable lifestyle. In some ways, scripture supports this point of view. In the beginning of chapter 20 in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells us a parable about a, a landowner who goes into the marketplace to find laborers who will work in his fields. He hires some of them at the beginning of the day for the regular price of a day's wage, but continues to visit the marketplace and hire more and more laborers throughout the day. When evening comes, he tells his manager to pay each worker a regular day's wage, starting with those who were hired last. Now, the workers at the end of the line expected to get more money since they had worked through the heat of the day compared to those who had just come in the last hour. But the workers who labored the full day still received only a regular day's wage. So they complained to the landowner. And the landowner replied, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree to, with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? There's a general agreement that we are allowed to do whatever we choose with whatever belongs to us. This is part of our free will. In the scripture from Mark that was read by Allison a few minutes ago, there is no question regarding the freedom we have to spend our resources the way we choose. The questions that come to mind are more about the choices that we make with the gifts that we have been given by God. Jesus taught his disciples to be aware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the markets. These were the leaders who sought reverence from the community because of their religious stature. Yet they were callous to those who were poor or suffering. Their behavior didn't match their words or their doctrine. Rather than following the teaching of prophets like Micah, who announced that God wants us to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with God, the scribes were falling into the traps of selfishness 
that the prophet Amos had warned about. Amos criticized the religious leaders of his day for taking advantage of the poor and warned them that God would not be with them in their time of need unless they took care of those who were suffering in poverty, saying that God had told him, take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your hearts, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Jesus taught his followers to avoid superficial demonstrations of piety that served only to create a shallow image of religiosity. Christ wants our whole being, our hearts, minds, souls, and bodies. And he lifts up the sacrifice offered by the poor widow in the treasury as an example of such an extreme sacrifice. When he sees this poor widow offering two small copper coins in the temple, he calls his disciples over and comments on her generosity. The financial value of her gift was very small, but the importance of her gift within her own personal circumstances was very high. The sum total of the two copper coins amounted to the smallest coin in the Roman monetary system. This was about 1 64th the value of a denarius, where a denarius was what an unskilled labor would expect to get paid for a full day's work. So all she had to live on was about 1 64th of a day's wage. Women had few property rights, so women were especially susceptible to conditions of poverty. And this widow was apparently placing poor, her whole hope for survival in God's hands. Perhaps she was hoping for a miracle, like the, the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17, who was starving when she met the prophet Elijah, but was saved through her faithfulness to that prophet. We don't know what happened to her later, but we know of her great faith in this story. Like the poor widow in this passage who had great faith, I think Christ expects us to fully rely on God. And God shows us a preference throughout Scripture for the poor. But I don't think Christ wants us to suffer in poverty. For example, Jesus criticizes the Pharisees in the beginning of chapter 15 of the Gospel of Matthew for accepting gifts to the temple that were intended by cultural norms to go to someone's parents. He complained that their hearts were in the wrong place when they were doing this because it's wrong for the church to encourage people to place themselves or their family at risk of suffering and poverty by giving all they have to the church or to the temple. The church is tasked with serving the poor, not creating the poor. But we are all reminded by scripture that all that we have comes from God. And we are expected to be good stewards of those gifts that we receive by sharing them as much as we can. An example of someone with a perspective that is the opposite of the widow in the temple is the rich ruler who came to Jesus seeking advice on how to achieve eternal life in chapter 18 of the Gospel of Luke. Here we find the story of a rich ruler who was advised by Jesus to sell everything he had, distribute the money to the poor, and then come and follow Jesus. The passage tells us the ruler walked away sad because he owned a lot of property. In this situation, Jesus suggested the rich man should sell everything 
and then return to Jesus to follow him. Now, unlike the widow, who we assume was alone and was relying on no one else, the rich ruler is invited to participate in the community of the disciples who are following Jesus. He was not as threatened with the prospect of starvation as the widow because he had a community that he could rely on. The disciples who followed Jesus were not wealthy, but they are frequently described as having abundant joy. And they seem to always find a means of sustenance which allowed them to continue on their journey of discipleship. Of course, Jesus is the perfect example of how to share our gifts from God with generosity and peace of mind. Jesus had no money, and he was able to successfully travel the countryside for a few years while he was spreading the gospel message. You may recall when he was challenged by the Pharisees in the temple to comment on the need to pay taxes to the Romans. He used a coin to explain that we are expected to give to God the things that are God's and to give to Caesar the things that are Caesar. But he had to borrow a coin from someone else to make his point because he apparently didn't have any coins of his own. What Jesus gave was his time, talent, and witness. He gave people his time, answering their questions and teaching the gospel. He shared his talent for healing, curing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, restoring people to full health, and even raising the dead. And he gave his witness, his witness of God, addressing the misconceptions of the Jewish leaders and preparing a new life for those who would follow him. Jesus had everything anyone could ever want, which was not money. Yet he gave it all to those who he encountered. He even gave his own life on the cross so that death would be defeated through his resurrection. And he would be able to, we would be able to join him in our own time. The grace that Christ made available to us by completely emptying himself in his earthly life allows us to repent for our sins and restore our own relationship with God when we fail to demonstrate the kind of love that he shared with us. The Gospels tell us that we are expected to follow Christ's example and love everyone the way he loves us. Earlier in the chapter of Mark, chapter 8 of Mark's Gospel, we see Jesus announcing to the crowds that he is about to be mistreated, killed, and then resurrected. He goes on to tell them, quote, if any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Christ encourages us to use the gifts of our time, talent, witness, and financial resources to spread his love throughout the world. This isn't a call to sacrifice your family to a condition of suffering. It's a call to live a fulfilled life. The message that material wealth doesn't lead to happiness is so common that it's almost cliche now. We've heard it over and over, yet it bears repeating because we still get distracted with the misconception that we can create our own happiness through the things and experiences that we can buy. 
The only real gratification we can get in life is through love. We get love by sharing love, just as Christ loved us. By sharing the time that we have with those who are lonely, we directly invest the most precious gift, most precious resource into the life of another person. By sharing the expertise or special, special skill that we have with the community, we help create new situations that bring hope to others and enable unexpected possibilities. By sharing our witness with others, we let them hear the gospel message and give them the chance to experience the love and grace that Christ has given to us that can change lives. And by sharing our financial resources, we can fund ministries that allow the church to continue serving as the body of Christ in this world. All that we have and all that we are comes from God. We are all stewards of God's gift, regardless of the amount of wealth, skill, or experiences that we have to share, because we all have the capacity to love. I think the reason we receive the gifts we have is so that we can share them with others. They serve no good purpose as long as they're locked up in a vault or withheld from the community. I think the practice of responsible stewardship was demonstrated by Christ who had it all and gave it all. Take stock of the gifts that you've been giving and consider how you can share them with the rest of the world so that you can collect the only real treasure worth building up, that treasure that is stored in heaven. Amen.